Sometimes people need to be reminded that the pictures we have in our minds from Christmas carols and cards are a little bit too sanitized and pretty. Jesus came into the harsh realities of our world, which makes the incarnation that much more amazing to comprehend. What was it really like on the night our Savior was born? The innkeeper, Mary, and a shepherd will share their stories in the drama called Not So Silent Night. seen so many people flocking into town like herds of sheep and cattle, bringing with them their herds of sheep and cattle. The town was like a zoo. The noise was incredible. The people that live in the town who just stayed at home and shut their doors. Crowds wandering the street, nowhere to sleep. And then these Roman officials come marching through town, yelling instructions, trying to get people organized into families and clans, ready to be counted. Beats me how they thought they could do it. There was no peaceful, silent night for me, let me tell you. I got an inn to run, trying to keep all the customers happy. The place was booked solid for weeks. And then every five minutes, another banging on the door, another family with another bunch of animals, and another sob story. Nowhere to stay. Last minute trip. Got waylaid back in Judea. Can you give us a room? Uh, you would think they could tell by all the noise inside that we haven't got a finger of floor space to spare. And the smell. Oi, don't get me started on the smell. Well, anyway, this young fella comes banging on the door and I'm just getting ready to go into my can't you see we're full you nincompoop speech and then I see the little woman on the donkey child bride that one looking like she's ready to drop a baby any second and just when the crowd inside is yelling no room no room I hear myself saying look we got no rooms, but there's this little stable out back where we keep the animals. It's not much, but the roof doesn't leak, and if you want it, it's yours. I don't know what came over me. Maybe I'd just gone crazy from all the noise that night, but I just couldn't leave them out there in the street. Well, you should have heard the racket they made. Animals bellowing, the, the young girl screaming her head off, and the husband running back and forth asking for cloths and hot water. Hot water! Are you kidding me? It gets worse. Then this bunch of loony shepherds shows up with their sheep, ranting and raving about this hallucination they've had. 
then they start singing and falling all over themselves trying to get a glimpse of this scrawny, screaming baby. I tell you, it's enough to drive a man to drink. I own a pub. <laughs> it's been nice talking to you, but I got to go. I, I just remembered I got this thing. I've never been so scared in all my life. My back had been aching all day riding along those bumpy roads on the back of a donkey. And the crowds, once we got into town. Joe was kept trying to find us a room, but everything was full. And then, just as things were looking like they couldn't get any worse, I felt this screaming pain ripping through my belly. I've never hurt so much. I mean, it's not like I've done this before. And then I'd be okay for a few minutes, and then I'd double over again in pain. That time last year when I fell off the roof and cut my head open, that was nothing compared to this. So then, Joe finally finds us a place to stay. It's a barn. There's animals everywhere, it's filthy, and the smell. That was no peaceful silent night for me, let me tell you. I'm not a very big girl, and pushing that baby out, man, it was like a thousand knives stabbing into me all at once. And Joe didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he's never seen a woman's body before. He got freaked out by the whole thing. No doctors, no midwives, just me screaming and crying and panting, and Joe running around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to figure out what to do. Oh, and don't forget, all the animals mooing and braying and squawking. And the people in the inn yelling at us to pipe down out there. <laughs> pipe down? Pipe down? You try having a baby in a barn with only a husband who has no idea what he's doing. Well, I'll save you all the gory details, but man, it was gross. Finally, we had a little baby boy, all red-faced and wrinkled. I don't know why anyone thinks a newborn looks angelic. And no one ever tells you about the mess to clean up after. But we put the baby in the feed trough, and guess he'll have to get used to doing things a little rough. And let me tell you, I've heard those songs about newborn babies sleeping peacefully through the night and not making a sound. Don't believe it. At least I know my baby's got a good set of lungs on him. Finally, we got him down and I was just starting to drift off to sleep. When someone's bashing at the barn doors and there's all these men and sheep and people yelling about visions and angels and songs. And they all want to look at my baby. None of them knew how to hold him properly either. They were t so excited about the whole thing, telling us that he was the promised one, that he was from God. Well, I already know that, of course. How else do you think I got here in the first place? Well, it started off like any other night. You know, the three of us standing around, trying to stay awake by telling jokes and stories, you know, the, the kind that's not appropriate in mixed company. <clears throat> Anyway, Levi, he's right in the middle of this rip-roaring joke 
when all of a sudden we see this bright, strange light in the sky. Well, right away, Dan thinks it's a UFO. <laughs> so, but as it got closer, we could hear this booming voice. I mean, it was a big, booming voice. I mean, I was scared out of my skin. Levi over here, he's freaking out. Dan looks like he's going to get sick. And, and as I saw it come closer, I realized what it was. It was an angel. Hey, what are you looking at? I'm telling you, it was an angel. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was so surprised, I had to clamp my hand over my mouth just to keep the words from spewing out. Not, you know, appropriate for angelic ears, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> I mean, I thought we were going to die. I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. And to be honest with you, I wasn't too proud of what I saw. But this angel, he speaks up and he says, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, right, don't be afraid. I mean, come on, what would you do if you're standing there, you're minding your own business, and all of a sudden this angel just pops out of nowhere, don't be afraid. So then the angel, he proceeds to tell us that this is a very special night, that a baby was to be born, the Messiah, the one that we're all waiting for. And as he said this, the heavens opened up and piles and piles of angels rolled out and they're singing to the top of their lungs, glory and praise to God, it was so loud. It was not a peaceful, silent night for me. Now, let me tell you, I'm, I'm not really into all this cultural stuff, you know, but it was beautiful. I mean, it was crisp, it was clear, it was loud. I mean, I thought the whole world would be able to hear it. Simply put, it was amazing. Well, Dan, Levi, and myself, man, we didn't need a second invitation. We hopped right up and we jumped out of there. We didn't even think about the sheep. And we went to the place where the angels said they'd be. Well, it wasn't exactly what we were expecting. You see, there was a smelly old stable and a bunch of really noisy animals. This young girl over here looked like she'd just run a marathon or two. And this screaming, scrawny baby. You know, if I hadn't heard it from my own ears from that angel, I would have thought I was in the wrong spot. But no, here we were. Smelly, stable, noisy animals and all. And yep, there was a Messiah. Not a very classy, peaceful start. Huh, I wonder how all this is gonna turn out, huh? Thank you all for sharing your gifts and your talents with us. And, and if you enjoyed that, uh, you certainly don't want to miss our, uh, our performance of A Christmas Carol on uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock or uh, next Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, free admission. Uh, invite a friend. I certainly want to have you come. But uh, uh, what you just uh, witnessed, I think, really is a perfect reminder that that very first Christmas was a little messier than we often think. Uh, let's pray together.
Well, Holy Father, uh, thank you for even just that little glimpse into the possible emotions of those who you called so long ago. Sometimes we forget that Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, although removed from us by 2,000 years and quite a distance from a foreign culture, that they were just people. People you loved and reached out to in the middle of the chaos of their lives. So we open our hearts today. We open ourselves to being molded and shaped and called by you in, in the midst of our chaos. We pray it all in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. It's great to have each of you here as we continue our uh, different kind of Christmas at Troy United Methodist Church today. I especially want to welcome those of you who are a newer or maybe even first-time guests today. Uh, we're really glad that you're here. Hope that you experience God's presence in the midst of whatever mess uh, you carried in with you today. Uh, in fact, I, I'd love to, to meet you. Uh, to visit with you. Uh, our, our on we have an on-ramp orientation at noon today. Uh, up in the, uh, uh, if you turn around, it's right up where the lights are kind of emanating through uh, that room uh, up there. And, and I'd love to, love to meet you and uh, stick around for lunch uh, at noon today. But uh, uh, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do around Christmas is uh, to, you know, it, there's so much stuff going on. I just like to laugh. Uh, and that drama was a, it was a good laugh. Uh, but I, I love to like watch a, a funny Christmas movie. And uh, until Elf uh, came out uh, several years ago, and my kids are always clamoring to watch Elf now, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But before that, um, a, a Christmas vacation was a staple. Uh, in fact, last year when we did the, the Christmas uh, movies uh, series, uh, a lot of people were like, you going to do Christmas vacation? I'm like, I know that one. Uh, <laughs> but no. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I, I, love, I love Christmas. In my opinion, uh, Clark Griswold is one of the best characters of all time. I mean, he's always going over the top, over the top to make things just right for his family. Uh, the trip to Wally World, European vacation, and in and, and Christmas vacation, Clark does everything within his power to uh, try to make Christmas perfect for his family. Uh, from, from the tree that was just a tad too tall for the living room uh, to, the, uh, to the 50 million lights on his house to kidnapping his boss because he didn't get his Christmas bonus. Uh, Clark did everything, everything that he could do to make Christmas perfect for his family in his usual over-the-top kind of a way. Uh, truth be told, our, our household is a little prone to uh, the, the, the same pressures, the same things, uh, although on a smaller scale. Uh, we, we too, we feel the pressure to get Christmas uh, just right. Uh, w whether it's a pressure to, to get Christmas pictures taken or uh, the, the desire to bake cookies but not being able to find the time to uh, m making it, you know, getting, getting gifts uh, for everybody on our list and, and working out extended family plans or how to fit in as many parties and Christmas concerts and performances and, and, and Christmas light viewings. Oh, I love Christmas lights too. Um, maybe not the same way Clark uh, Griswold did, but, but I, also, I love to drive around the community and, and other communities, especially in kind of a, a place that we, we haven't been to all the, the, the neat lights in the area, so we're still trying to fit those into our calendar. We, we love to go see those. and uh, in, in fact, our staff team is going to be doing some of that tomorrow night for our uh, Christmas party this year, and uh, looking forward to that. But, uh, but I'm not so good with lights myself. 
in fact, I, I've had major battles with lights over the years. There, there was one year, it was maybe five or six years ago, maybe a little longer than that now. I, I don't know, they're all uh, blending together. But there, I, I think I replaced about 2,000 individual light bulbs on our Christmas tree just to, to keep it from like having huge strands <laughs> uh, not be lit up. Uh, it, we, we bought a, a perfectly shaped, we, we love the tree, a perfectly shaped uh, a pre-lit Christmas tree, and it was great for a handful of years. And then the lights started failing. You, you, know, you know how that is. And, and, and the, the, the strands, they were all strung up in the tree so tight that I didn't, it, I didn't want to just put lights over top of it, so I replaced every single one. Oh, it, it, hours and hours on end. My, finger, my fingertips hurt just thinking about it now. But uh, it, eventually, though, it became too much. And my wife said, you're wasting all your time on this tree. So, so I got out the scissors, and we cut out all of the cords in that tree and had a huge mound. And, and I went the old-fashioned way. I just strung up my own lights. Thank God for LEDs. Uh, but, but no joke, last week after I had already thought about t- sharing this story, uh, I-, I hung up our pre-lit garland around the outside door frame, and guess what? It wouldn't light. Uh, so I think uh, sooner or later it's going to get the snip-snip too, and I'll uh, have to restring it with some LEDs. But if I didn't love Christmas uh, lights so much, uh, I, I would just wouldn't do it. I mean, this is just pure craziness. Uh, what are the things that you do? Uh, or, or that your family does, just to, to make Christmas perfect for you, that, that when you step back at and, and just look at objectively, you think, this is crazy. Why do we do this? Every year, we do, why do we do this? Uh, may, may, you know, it's easy to laugh at grandma buying everyone matching Christmas sweaters, but what do you do? Well, what do you do? Do you, do you run yourself ragged trying to find the perfect gift for everybody in your family? War stories from Black Friday? What, what is it? Is it, uh, you know, that you bend over backwards trying to arrange all the different Christmases that you, you have to go to uh, and or that you get to go to? <laughs> uh, you know, it's not just one Christmas for you. It's like eight Christmases, right? I think that would be a, a wonderful Hallmark movie. Uh, it's like the eight Christmases and there's, you know, a, a, a young widow at each of them and, and a handsome man uh, who's... Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> So, I think that'd be a great movie. Is it for you? Is it, is it Christmas cards? Is it like Shutterfly? You know, you're trying to get the, just the right picture. What, what, what is it for you? Um, maybe it's the stress of whether or not we're going to have snow on Christmas Day. I, I blame Bing Crosby for that one. Uh, or, or for you, maybe for you, it's the January credit card bill when you open it and you shock and awe. Uh, you're just like, whoa, all in an attempt to make Christmas perfect. But let's face it, no matter how hard you try or I try or any of us try, Christmas isn't going to be perfect. I mean, for weeks, we'll run ourselves ragged uh, trying to, to get everything right. And we'll wear ourselves out emotionally, physically, financially, relationally some days, uh, you know, to make one day perfect. When the 364 days, uh, uh, other days of the year aren't perfect, next year we get 365 other days, uh, another imperfect day, right? Uh, but, but the dream of the perfect Christmas is, it, you know, is a dream that just doesn't deliver. Maybe it's the kid who isn't happy with what he, he or she got or the, the conflict with 
a visiting family member or the stress from moving from one thing to the next to the next or the letdown on December 26th when you've got all the cleanup to do and then all this new stuff that you've got to find places for in the house. And, 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 and even if you come close to it being a perfect day, you realize that it doesn't last. You know, maybe it's more profound though. You know, Christmas for you may never again be perfect and you know it. The, the loneliness that you feel from year to year, the, the memories of Christmas past that, that are tremendous, you, you hold them dear inside, but that was before you lost your parents or your spouse. And things will never be the same after the divorce, after the tragedy, after your kids grew up and left the house. In fact, just a time out for a moment. If, if any of that connects with you, resonates with you, I just want to invite you to consider coming to our worship and prayer night on Wednesday. It'll be up in the sanctuary uh, this month, and, and we're just going to have some, some quiet time with God and, and pray uh, for one another, pray for uh, our own healing, um, grief, uh, pray for our church family, pray for uh, the brokenness and pain uh, in the world. I, I hope you'll come. I, I think it'll be a, um, just an encouraging and, and healing time. But no matter how hard you try, Christmas isn't going to be perfect. Because people aren't perfect. And because life isn't perfect. And life oftentimes is hard. It's painful. It's, it's messy. And, and you're not alone. As we've already heard, that first Christmas was anything but perfect, at least the way that we define perfect. Imagine that first Christmas from any, any of the main characters' uh, perspectives, and that's why I love, I love the drama. We get, we get a little insight into what it might have been like uh, for some of the key players. Uh, but one person not represented there is Joseph. So, I mean, just let's think of Joseph, for example. Uh, average guy betrothed to a, a young girl, uh, and, and she ends up being pregnant. And the Bible, really, think about it, paints a picture of the birth of the Messiah coming in the form of an unplanned teenage pregnancy and all the emotional chaos that comes with that. Initially, Joseph's debating about what to do. If he defends his honor publicly, Mary runs the risk of, of, of losing her life from the penalty of the law, being stoned. He doesn't want that. So instead, he decides to dissolve the engagement quietly, move on, even though it'll be humiliating for him, humiliating for her. And what a difficult decision to make, not the makings of a perfect Christmas. And of course, an angel appears to him, tells him to marry this young bride, despite his reservations, despite the dishonor that it would likely bring to him, because she's carrying a special baby, God's very own son. And talk about a life-altering conversation. And then, then our scripture passage that the drama kind of captured a little bit today, from Luke chapter 2, as if the world, his world wasn't already thrown into an upheaval, the Roman government Caesar Augustus himself says, y'all got to return to your family of origin, the place where your ancestors were from to be counted. And so Joseph and his young and very pregnant bride, who 
he had not yet consummated his marriage with, <laughs> made this grueling journey through rocky terrain, 80 miles on donkey back and walking from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And once in Bethlehem, I mean, it was a zoo because so many others were returning for the census. And I, I think of Bethlehem as kind of like that small rural town that, that everybody grows up and leaves. And then they all have to come back for, for things like this because that was the homeland of their ancestors. I mean, can you imagine his stress? No place to find, to stay, no comfortable place. How many times do you think he wanted to throw his arms up in the air and just, just give up? Then there was the stable. Now, all the nativity pictures out there, I, Joseph is just like uh, in perfect holding his staff, uh, just a perfect scene, looking at this, this radiant infant. Uh, all, all the animals are looking in on this new babe. It's, it's a beautiful picture isn't it? I made for a Christmas card, right? Except it's totally unrealistic. That's why I love the drama. It paints a more accurate picture of the craziness of that night that Luke accounts in Luke chapter 2. Uh, you've got the animals in their, their stinky mess, along with a young girl giving birth for the first time, a young man who's never really been with a woman experiencing the human anatomy, uh, female anatomy, for the very first time during a delivery, not the time that you want to first be seeing. And, and you've got all this stuff of, of a birth mixed in with all this stuff that comes with a barnyard neither of which is all that appealing. And then once things settle down, then you've got some crazy shepherds stopping by to say hi. <laughs> I mean, seriously, who thinks this was a serene sight? One worthy of putting on a Christmas card. Well, I, st I still think it's worthy of putting on a Christmas card. Don't, don't hear me wrong. Uh, but not because it was perfect in the way that we think. I think it's worthy of celebrating because of the good news that it represents. The good news that it represents to you and to me and everybody out there who, who are running themselves ragged, trying to have the perfect Christmas and, and in many ways the perfect life. The good news is this, that God shows up in our mess. In the midst of our mess, God shows up now, this is the miracle of Christmas that I shared about last week, that the, the God who created us, who loves us so much, desires to be with us so much that he entered into our mess, the mess of our world. Now, I don't know how you might describe the messes in your life right now, but maybe you'd say, oh, it's not much of a mess. I just feel a little directionless, a little lost. Well, God wants to meet you there. Maybe you're in a financial mess. God wants to meet you there. Maybe you're in a relational mess, conflict with the most important people in your life. God wants to meet you there. Maybe it's more of an emotional mess. The, the pain of life is just kind of taking its toll on you and, and, and you want to give up. God wants to meet you there. Maybe it's a health mess. You know, sometimes... In many ways, you've done nothing to deserve the mess that has come your way, but it's there nonetheless. It's found you. But guess what? God wants to meet you there too. 
God is not only there in the midst of your mess, he wants you to experience his presence in the midst of your mess. Now, this is the amazing thing about God that, that I don't want any of us to miss. Now, our God is not one who expects you to clean yourself up, to straighten out the messes before he blesses you and, and gives you the miracle of his presence. And we'll see that on full display next week, but it fits here too. And we all have messes. Uh, our tendency is to think that we need to clean ourselves up before God will bless us, before God will love us, before God could possibly use us, before God would ever want to be with us. But that is so not the story of the scriptures. God oftentimes chooses the messiest of situations in which to make himself fully known. So if your life is a mess, big or small, God wants to meet you there, and, and, and he wants to bring his peace into your life, the joy and purpose of his presence in the midst of the messiness of your everyday life, just, just like he did on that first Christmas so long ago. But I don't want you to miss this important message, too. You, you see, it, it's not just about you and me. I mean, God showed up in the midst of the messiness of Joseph's and, and Mary's first months together. Uh, their, their normal everyday lives was interrupted by a mess. And God showed up. But it wasn't just about them. I mean, we read about the shepherds and the angels appearing to them. We're reminded that Jesus' birth was not just a, a gift to Joseph and Mary and, and their circles, but a gift to all of humanity all whose lives would be in upheaval, whose lives were at least a little bit messy. Of course, we know this because uh, we know the end of the story. Uh, we, we know that this baby grew up to become a man who, who would embody the truth and grace of God and that in his life and his death, he made a way for us to be with God forever. For, for when Jesus died on the cross, he took our deepest and darkest mess, uh, our sinfulness, and he paid for it. He took it upon himself as if it was his own and in place gave us, you, you and me, the gift of his very presence, his spirit, the spirit of peace. And as, as a response to Jesus' great gift to us, the, the gift of his presence that we celebrate on his birthday, Christmas, our response, I mean, really ought to be to give that same kind of gift to one another, and to others. It's not just about us. It's about God's love for the world. And what better way to celebrate his amazing gift to us than, than to give a gift to those whose lives are also a little bit messy. I mean, maybe, maybe even messier than ours. And so I want to make this little challenge to you. Ch chances are, uh, if you're even remotely uh, average in our culture today, uh, you put a lot of time and energy and effort and in some cases money and resources into making Christmas perfect for you and for your family. Uh, what if you give as much or more of yourself and your resources as a gift to Jesus this Christmas? I mean, it is his birthday, right, <laughs> that we're celebrating. It is his and what a better way for you to do that than by making yourself available to be a miracle in the lives of others. 
Uh, last week, I shared just a few ways that you could do that uh, as a part of this church family here. And I encourage you to continue praying about how God may want to use you to be a miracle in the lives of others and a blessing to others this Christmas. I, I think all of the snow angels uh, are gone off the trees. Um, I, and, and I'm sorry that we had to say no to some of you who wanted to take two or three of them last week. Uh, thank you for letting everybody uh, be able to uh, be a blessing to others. Uh, there's still plenty of time, though, to purchase food uh, for the Twigs uh, uh, weekend backpack snack program. Uh, the, the shopping list, you don't even need the advent calendar. Uh, I mean, grab one, there are a handful left, but the shopping list is in your bulletin insert today. So you can take that. Uh, you can uh, also, you can take your connection card and RSVP for the food and package uh, delivering uh, with Ministries Unlimited on Saturday, December 21st at 9 a.m. We'll meet right in here, uh, pray together, and then, and then make deliveries. Uh, I'll see you there. And of course, our December offering, uh, we as a church, everybody I've talked to, we just can't wait to be a part of a miracle of paying off medical debt for families in our county in partnership with RIP Medical Debt. If you weren't here last week or didn't check your snail mail this week, then maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but we're planning on giving away 15% of all of our December income to purchase outstanding medical debt owed by people who live in Madison County. And we're partnering with the nonprofit group RIP Medical Debt really to pay off millions of dollars worth of medical debt for, for thousands of dollars of donations from, from us. No, no strings attached. And really, uh, we believe that this is an amazingly practical way to live out the gospel. Uh, but another way to bless others is to invite someone to one of the many events or worship services at our church this season. Uh, we've got a United Methodist Women's Lunch on Thursday. We've got the Christmas play on Friday night at 7 and then Sunday at 3. Uh, that's uh, this coming week, then the Christmas concert the following Sunday, and Christmas Eve services the week right after that. Uh, uh, definitely invite a friend. Uh, but don't miss, please don't miss the power of Christmas as a time for celebrating the miracle that God shows up in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our mess. No matter what your mess is, God promises to show up. In fact, he's already there. Just turn, look for him. That is truly what Christmas is about in the midst of our messes and, and the world's messes and poverty, war, division, tragedy, oppression, infertility, injustice, divorce, cancer, even death, God shows up. Well, God, you, you do, you, you show up. You show up in the middle of the mess. Sometimes you show up in the silence. Sometimes you show up in the serenity of a beautiful moment. Sometimes, though, you show up in the chaos. Just as you did so long ago with Joseph and Mary. So, Heavenly Father, we want to believe that you'll do the same in the messes of the 21st century, too. Our world is messy, there's no doubt about it. And we lift before you the, the pain that we read on the news and sometimes experience in our own lives, the destruction of war, the pain and tragedy of loss, the hopelessness that comes through poverty and hunger, 
the loneliness of isolation, even in the midst of such a connected world, or the desperation of depression and anxiety. God, we pray that you would not only show up in the midst of our mess, but that you would redeem our mess. That because of your presence, our, our messes would be used for your glory. That, that looking back at our messes years from now, we would see that you were not just present, but that you were working in our hearts and through our lives to do something glorious. Just like we're able to look back at Joseph and Mary's story and see your blessing for the world in the midst of their chaos. We pray this all with hopeful expectation in the name of the one who makes it possible, Jesus. Amen. As the, the ushers uh, come forward and we prepare to, to uh, give of ourselves and the overflow of God in our lives, I, um, I, I want to give a little preview of next week. Um, I told you this is a different kind of Christmas and I'm going to reach back into the Old Testament uh, to a story that isn't inherently a Christmas story, but one that I think uh, speaks to the message of Christmas. It's um, uh, some scriptures from the story of Hosea. And during uh, this offering time, there'll be a short video, uh, no, no words, just, uh, just video uh, that tell kind of the opening to the story of Hosea. And throughout the week on Facebook, we're going to share some of the other parts of that story through video. So I encourage you to tune into those. Uh, but next week, uh, we'll get the synopsis and the, the conclusion to that story. Uh, but uh, I invite you to watch this.